Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Open the show with it because I think it's something that I know we've said a bunch of times, but definitely bears repeating, especially in a in a world of social media that we're in today, um, is that people people gotta stop sharing the fake quotes yeah i i saw that yesterday you know you're talking about the one with aaron jones aaron jones yep yeah yeah i saw that yesterday and i was like yeah people got to stop sharing those it's there's no other way to say it like people got to stop sharing the fake quotes we've we've discussed this before um all it does is potentially take somebody who doesn't know whether or not the quote is fake Mm-hmm. And it could hurt their perception of a player for something they never even said. So for somebody that's not going to go in and, you know, check on Twitter and Packers.com and watch all the YouTube interviews and stuff to know whether or not these quotes are real, you got to stop sharing the fake quotes as if they're real. You know, it's a little bit different if you're doing something and you put, you know, Aaron Jones probably or something like that. And you're, you know, you're making a joke out of it. But when you're mm-hmm. sharing quotes that make it seem like people are pissed at each other when they're really not, that that is that's dangerous because you're essentially it's like it's basically lying is what it is. And like I said, you're ruining the reputation of somebody for something they never even did, which is terrible. Um, especially for somebody like Aaron Jones, who is such a high character person on top of it. Um, <clears throat> I think we had this discussion with Zadarius Smith when he was leaving Green Bay, and it's like people sharing all the fake quotes and stuff like that. And it's like, you're going to make people hate Zadarius Smith on his way out. That that is unjustified just because you don't like him. So you made this fake quota. So people that's, yeah, that's really, really something that's got to stop. Yeah. And I think that came from his comments after the game. where he, He talked about, you know, him or AJ could get to two yards, which, you know, we will discuss that on Friday. I'm mm. sure we're going to have a good discussion. We'll have a bunch of different angles from it. But, you know, I bet money on those two picking up two yards as well. Sure. But yeah, but he's not, out there saying, he's not out there saying give us the damn ball and stuff like that. He's not. He didn't yeah. say that. Right. I agree. All right. So <clears throat> this will be our first Wednesday starting with the Badgers. So we're going to start with some Badgers recap today. Um, Badgers are back in the win column, which is a good thing for sure. Um, despite some people still loving to complain because, you know, that's what people do. So we're going to talk about it. Um, and then today, Jake and I each have five things the Brewers can do to improve for the 2023, um, MLB season. So we're going to do that as well, but we're going to start with the Badgers and we're going to start with the Badgers win over Northwestern. So let's start with that. And Jake, what did you see from the Badgers offense against, um, Northwestern's defense? Well, I'll, I'm going to start with this. It looked like a team that was energized. Mm. looked like a team with life that was, that was given a second chance. Um, this is kind of what we expected to see after the Ohio State game. 
into the Illinois game, but it took another loss, another lump at home for them to finally get this feeling of, all right, it's time to put up or shut up, right? So uh, obviously we went over last week. Northwestern is not a team to write home about. Uh, we both talked about how the, it's not the Northwestern defense of old where they're just stifling defense and they run the ball down your throat. Uh, Mikey actually talked about how they throw the ball a little bit more. So when covering the Badgers offense this week, it was just refreshing to see a lot of things. First of all, the 515 total yards. That's nice. That's a good total, uh, especially in a Big Ten game. Um, 320, 22 passing yards, 21 of 30, 193 rush yards, 38 attempts, 5.1 yards <clears throat> per rush, and the 26 first downs, 10 of 14 on third down. Mm. I mean, that is – that's everything that you wanted to see from the Badgers on Saturday, trying to get back. Um, yeah, fucking Bucky, I agree. Um, it's just a great win. It, it really should put everybody at ease a little bit. Yeah, that was least, uh, your dad is calm people down. Yeah, your dad's hitting the nail on the head. And, you know, this is one of those wins that can gain a lot of confidence for everybody. And hopefully they'll go into this weekend with a lot of confidence <clears> against a struggling <throat> Michigan State team. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Michigan State. That's going to be an interesting discussion, I think. Um, for me, looking at the offense, I knew it was going to happen, too, because I'm like, Uh-oh. I'm like, through the first three or four times they ran it in this game, I'm like, please just stop with the Wildcat. Just please stop. Because it yeah. was getting like one, two, negative one. And then Braylon Allen throws a touchdown to Ches Malusi out of it, and I'm like, here we go. And we're hitting the reset button on the Wildcat because they did one good play yep. out of it. So they're like, <sighs> I'm in a very yeah. love-hate relationship with the Wildcat right now. We need to bring up the fact, I talked to you and Mikey on Saturday about fans complaining after the first drive of, about Mertz already. And then the guy goes on to have a career. Yeah. What the hell <laughs> is that about, man? Oh, man. How many times do we have to tell people to freaking wait till the end of the game? How many times do we have to tell them that, dude? And it's, it's ridiculous. I don't I don't know. Um Yeah, that's that's definitely a possibility, I would say. My dad said it's probably part of the decision to fire before a game they could win to get them off onto a good step. Which hmm. I think they were expected to win against Illinois, and hmm. maybe they were waiting till until they lost a game that they should have won. Because I don't mm-hmm. think firing Paul Crist after losing to number three Ohio State is really a fair situation. Um, but firing Paul Crist after losing to Wisconsin or losing to Illinois at home um, is a much different situation. That's a good um, point, actually. Which have you seen have you seen Ben Brust's rant about this? About the firing? About Illinois, the lost Illinois. No, I didn't see it. I'm not paying attention to him anymore. I I wish I hadn't seen it either because it's just made me lose more respect for him because he's he's like talking about it. He's like, oh, we lose to Illinois. He's like, we're a seven point favorite to Illinois at home. He's like a team. That's a team we used to be 30 point favorites at. And it's like, dude, did you not expect them to improve ever? Yeah, right. Like they they were just going to stay 30 point dogs to Wisconsin. (laughs) Exactly. Like, did you expect them to just be like, oh, yeah, no, cool. We're cool with having one guy in the NFL every three years. Yeah, they're not putting money into their football program or not anything. No, like yeah, it's not like they went and hired out a previously successful coach or anything. Yeah, 
I mean, no. he's bringing teams to Rose Bowls. I mean, he's worked in yeah. the NFL. No, that guy knows nothing. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, we talk shit about the wins but... at all time in Wisconsin. You know, he probably doesn't right. really know much about the Big Ten, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so so that rubbed me the wrong way in addition to, you know, other things that rubbed me the wrong way with Ben Brust. But, yeah. well, it is what it is. Um, I said this to you this morning, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll probably say it again in a, a farther back segment. Um, I I think Graham Mertz is one of the best players on offense on the Badgers this season. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I think this game is allowing people to start to catch on to that because you know who had a really good game today, or not today, this week on offense? I mean, other than DK? Other than DK, other than Graham Mertz. Who else? Braylon Allen? No, a group of players that have not played well in about three or four weeks. Yeah, the whole line, yep. Offensive line played very well, and they actually rotated players in on the offensive line, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, almost taking a page out of the Packers book. They actually rotated, I think, I think six or seven players on the offensive line. Um, I know it was six at least, if not, like I said, if not seven. Um, I should have asked Mike, he probably knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they rotated in a bunch of offensive linemen. And not shockingly, when Graham Mertz isn't running for his life and trying to make trying to make snap decisions and make something out of nothing, he had a really good game. Also, like you said, having a really good game was Kimmeray DK. Um, I have lots of stats on Kimmeray DK later. But <laughs> for him to have all those crossing routes and be able to make yards after the catch, I couldn't find yards after the catch either for Kimmeray DK, which is unfortunate. I couldn't find yards after the catch for college football, mm. um, which is a bummer. Are college you stats chance- are hard to find, dude. It is. Are you by chance college- looking at new live wire? I am. Yes. Yes, I am. It's a very good, very good edition of Mountain Dew. <laughs> very underrated, I would say. Yeah, 100%. Um, so the Badgers in the first half had 17 first downs. You mentioned the, the first downs. 17 first downs in the first half. They had 12 all of last week. Oh, my God. Um, Kimberly DK had, <laughs> had seven receptions for 147 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. Graham Mertz was 11th of 16 for 204 and three touchdowns in the first half. Um, that was the most on the road um, in the first half at Wisconsin since Russell Wilson. Wow. In 2011. There he, there he is. He's getting put in the sentence with, with Russell Wilson. There, That's yeah, what there we wanted is. to see. That's what we wanted to see from him. Hi, from Greece. I got my Bucks shirt on today. Today is the Bucks' last preseason game. They start next Thursday, so next Wednesday will be our our Milwaukee Bucks primer. So definitely make sure you tune into that one next week for the Bucks primer. Um, Probably some talk about Giannis. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so um, second half, it was good to see Keontae Lewis okay after being injured last week. Um, and then Skyler Bell, he's just got one play to make. And he heard some footsteps on it. And that was, I think it was a third down play. Yeah, it was a third mm-hmm. down play. And he heard the footsteps and he kind of pulled up and let the ball sail out of his hand. But, you know, yeah, that is what it is. It. Um, and then, like I said, Kimberly DK being effective on the crossing routes led to his third touchdown. Um, Dean Engram was playing well late at wide receiver, actually, which was good to see. Um, and as far as the offense is concerned, I think it's really good to see the offense respond well after missing a field goal on the first possession. Yeah, that's true. So we talk about, you know, a word you like to bring up a lot is adversity. 
I'd say losing two games in a row, one of them being a massive blowout, the other one being a big loss at home to a, a conference rival, and then starting off the game after your head coach has been fired with a missed field goal and then turning around and playing as well as the Badgers did after that, um, I think was really encouraging when we talk about things like adversity. Um, mm-hmm. So let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. Um, what did you see from the defense that stood out to you? So defense played pretty well, in my opinion. Um, I did write down a stat from when you brought up offensive lines to backtrack real quick. Only one quarterback hurry. That is, mm. that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, also only one pass defense for Northwestern on the defensive side of the ball. The Badgers had four tackles for loss, eight passes defense and four quarterback hurries. So that's much better. Uh, we gave up 342 yards, 263 passing 79 rushing. They had 18 first downs and they were three of 13 on third down. So that third down disparity is really what killed us or killed them, not us killed them. So I'm already in the, the frame of mind of the Packers. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, you got a red but, shirt but on then, Yeah, I know. I know. I even put it on to remind myself, and I still messed up. Um, I was talking about Packers all day with my coworker. That's why. Um, so, three of 13 on third down. That's not very good. That's going to lose. You're going to lose a lot of games doing that. Um, I thought the defense did a really, really good job uh, getting in and stopping the run in the first half. I thought they held them down very, very well. And then Graham Mertz just started to cook, and that gave, I think that gave the defense a jolt of energy as well. That's my opinion on it. But what did you see, buddy? So <clears throat> I saw, unfortunately, it was the fourth play, and there was already a penalty on the defense. Yeah. That was a little discouraging. But yeah. John Torchio made a really good pass defense on uh, third down on that possession. Mm-hmm. Um, that got a stand for the Badgers. Um, second possession, both of the safeties made really big plays. Torchio had a tackle for a loss, followed by Komoe Latu's first interception. Um, mm. Third possession, I saw the Badgers actually mixing up their blitzes, something that that uh, Jim Leonard is known for is stunting blitzes and having guys coming from different areas. Um, I saw some of that on the third possession for Northwestern, start to create some trouble for Northwestern in picking that up. Um, I I mean, really just the entire first half, the defense was actually putting a lot of pressure on Northwestern, mm-hmm. which was good to see. Um, and, it, and, it con- and it continued even after Keanu Benton got hurt. Um, I didn't get a chance to see if he's practicing today or not um, to know if he's going to play. It didn't seem like it was a serious injury, um, but we'll get some we'll get some injury stuff when we get into the preview a little bit. Um, second half. Badgers got a big stop and a tackle for loss on third and two inside the 15-yard line. Mm-hmm. And then on fourth down, Kamoe Latu got his second interception. So both number 13s had a really big day for the for the Badgers. They did. Good. Um, they did. I will say something that continues to be an Achilles heel for the Badgers, something they could potentially mm-hmm. improve on, is defending screens. Um, that still seems to be something they're a bit vulnerable to, um, potentially using some of their aggressiveness against them. Um, is using screens. Um, and then Nick Herbig, I feel like even Nick Herbig was confused that he got straight to the quarterback unblocked for the strip sack that he had. Yeah. He stood up and he's looking around like, did they not like blow the whistle to start the play? Like he got up <laughs> and he looked, he was like looking around. It's like, <laughs> that's yeah. Go 13. I like it. I like it. I was excited. I knew my dad would like that. That both number 13s had a big day. Um, 
I do agree with the referee's call to not call targeting. Um, we had this really frustrating situation like two times last year where guys like turned their heads, but their like their helmets still made contact, even though they were leading with their shoulders. Um, and it wasn't like an upward launch. So like I, it was really unfortunate that it happened twice last season. Um, I think it actually happened the year before too. A guy got ejected like his last Badger home game of his senior. I think I remember that. I don't remember who it was though. I know it's I'm drawing a blank on who it was. I don't know. I'm, I don't well, remember. I'll have to look it if up. If we later. have 15 minutes, I can go through all my my notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I got a bunch of notebooks full too. Um, I want to say I want to give some credit to number 36 Cheney. Yeah, linebacker. bro. He played really well. Um, I've been calling for it for two weeks for somebody other than Keanu Benton and Nick Herbig to step up in the, the pass rush. And he actually played really well in both the pass and in the run game. Um, and then, you know, just another penalty set up Northwestern first touchdown on fourth and goal from the one. You know, it is what it is, but, you know, it happens. Um, Northwestern, that the pass that they made to, I think it was Sullivan as the wide receiver, um, that was just a really nice play. There's nothing you could do about that. The one they caught, like, the three or four-yard line. Yeah. That's just a nice play. Like, that one, you kind of just tip your cap, and then you say, all right, you you earned the right to not be shut out. Yeah, <laughs> right. that play. Um, <laughs> so that was a really good play for, for Northwestern. Um, with this game now, Graham Mertz is up to eight straight games with a touchdown pass, which is, yeah. you know. For all the people saying that he wouldn't even be a high school D1 quarterback or he wouldn't be this or he wouldn't be that or he shouldn't be in the FBS, like, it's just unnecessary, honestly. Like, Graham Mertz is a good quarterback. He doesn't live up to the expectations that everybody said, oh, you know, we have a four-star quarterback. He needs to do everything that Russell Wilson did in a year and more all in one year. Like, people got to adjust your expectations a little bit. Not every four-star quarterback is going to be NFL caliber and that's not to say that Graham Mertz isn't NFL caliber because he's still got another year of eligibility next year but the fact that people act like they don't want Graham Mertz to improve like that's that's like the the meme where you stick this the put a stick in your own spokes on your bike and then blame falling on somebody else yeah that's what that makes me think of that people will sit here and they'll just say bad thing after bad thing after bad thing about Graham Mertz and then still act like they want the Badgers to win? Like, do you want them to win or not? Like, you want the Badgers to do well, but Graham Mertz to not so that you can talk shit about him? Like, Tyler, I can't you know, wrap my head around it. Like, I you know, know exactly we're both going to Graham is. Mertz and our three stars, but... You, you know exactly what that is. You know exactly what that is. That is them setting up the excuse for if the Badgers are bad, they could go and blame Graham. Hmm. That is exactly why I made a post yesterday in a Badgers group, and so people were asking, saying all this stuff about Mertz. And I'm like, all you people are just projecting all the team's struggles on one player. If somebody misses a tackle on defense, oh, man, Graham Mertz sucks. I can't believe this team lost to Illinois. What? Are you serious right now? That just shows me that you didn't watch. Because yeah. he was he was throwing passes and receivers were dropping balls. And, the, and they were flat. They didn't play good. They didn't come out ready to play with energy. That's why I started it. By saying this team looked energized. They looked like they didn't have their head so far up their damn ass. They didn't know they were wearing a W. But anyways, I'm just – Mertz is Mertz is fine. I got a stat on Mertz. I shared I – t- I 
I'm telling you right now, I shared that post. If you didn't see it, I'm going to tell you the stat when we do three stars here. Um, well, I mean, we might as well start with that because I'm pretty sure we both have Graham Mertz as oh, our number yeah. one star. I mean, he threw a Wisconsin record five touchdowns. So, I mean, there's that. Um, he was 20 to 29, obviously, uh, 299 yards. He had a 97.1 QBR. Do you know how QBR works? Because that's like fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. They say a lead is like like 85. 85, yeah. Is it 84, 85? I think it's 85. He was, 97 that's out of 100 <laughs> and the fa- it makes Damn. it so much better because you know somebody complained after the first drive oh we gotta get a new quarterback and i'm like bro chill like just chill like i'm telling him to chill he's like no blah 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 and then i texted you and mike and i'm like i hope he throws four touchdowns then the bastard goes and throws five and i'm like that's even better now you look like a like a dipshit <laughs> you know um, like, it's just like the, the whining the whining just came home came yeah. right back yeah man and i tagged him when i made this post so the so i found this stat on twitter last night um it was it was power five big time throw percentage leaders number one is quinn ewers from texas with 10.0 number two is graham mertz 9.9 so he's literally almost tied for first in big time throw percentage what is if big time throw percentage uh, to me, I mean, me and you have different definitions, but it's uh ball for me. What I what I thought it was is ball placement and um, tight window. So tight window and ball placement, you add those two things together, and that's a big time throw. I mean, we think about Aaron Rodgers; he makes a lot of big time throws. His ball placement has has been elite his entire career. Um, his it's tight window, it it really is. Um, the fact that he goes off opposite feet, opposite ways, is just like. Okay, you're showing off, guys. Settle down. <laughs> but Graham Mertz, we've been talking about it since week one, dude. We've been impressed with his ball placement since week one because we thought it was – we were like, oh, who's this? Is this Graham? Okay. I mean, obviously that stat shows that he's been very, very good this season. Even in the Ohio State game, you know, when the Badgers got blown over, I still think Graham Mertz made good throws in that game. Yeah, I agree. Same with the Illinois game. He made good throws. I mean, even the throw that the first interception that he threw – was a ball that was arguably catchable and got tipped into a defender's hand. Yeah. Um, which isn't which isn't his fault. I mean, obviously it gets charged to him because he's the one that threw the pass, but mm-hmm. um my understanding of a big time throw was that it's tight windows and depth of target. Um, okay. which to me, you know, when you bring that stat up, it also tells me that Graham Martz is actually throwing a pretty decent deep ball this year, yeah. which I think is accurate. He's throwing some really nice deep balls to Keontas Lewis, actually. Um, yep. Skyler Bell's caught a couple of nice deep balls from him. So, I mean, Graham Mertz was definitely my first star as well. Um, 69% completion percentage, which is nice. Um, <laughs> nice. And then the, <laughs> the 299 yards. Um, you mentioned the five touchdowns. You know that Graham Mertz is the only player in Wisconsin history to throw five touchdowns twice? Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Think about that. That's crazy. Wow. And he's still getting dog. <sighs> I understand if people want to dog him for his decision making because it's not the best all the time. But mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna dog him for that, give him credit for other shit. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Come on. That's the thing. Like you ride the roller coaster and it's like like sure the floor might be low, but the ceiling is high too. You can't you can't ride all the way to the basement and then get out on the ground floor when the roller coaster is going up to the ceiling. No, I agree. What fun is that? 
I don't know. Ask all, all those negative Nancys. <laughs> I like that analogy. Getting out on the ground floor when the roller coaster is going to the ceiling. I like when we or, make shit up on the fly, dude. That makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> or picture this. Instead of riding the roller coaster so hard, why don't you just stay on the ground floor? Stay even keel. Don't ride too high or too low. Like, yeah, it's fun to ride high when you're riding high, but it's not fun to ride low when you're riding low. So sure, that stuff can balance out unless you just want to whine and then you just want to ride low when it's low and then get off on the ground floor when it's going up. Which at that point, it's just sapping out all your energy for your football team that you're a fan of. And I can't imagine that that's any fun at all. But, you know, it is what it is. So, like, (laughs) like Jake said, give him credit where it's due. And when he has good games, don't be like, oh, it's just against Northwestern. Like, don't give a shit. They're still college football players. <sighs> yeah. And obviously, still, it's not like it's not like he had, you know, fifteen for thirty for one hundred and fifty yards and a touchdown, and the Badgers won sixty-six to seven because of the running game. Mm-hmm. The Badgers won this game as big as they did because of Graham Mertz. A hundred percent. He started so making another throws. guy. The Badgers. The reason the Badgers won this game as big as they did is Kimmer DK. He's my number two star. Um, 10 receptions for 185 yards and three touchdowns, including a 52-yard touchdown. Yeah. That's insane. That's, like, probably the biggest game the Badgers have had from a wide receiver since Lee Evans in the early 2000s. I was thinking maybe Jared Everdares because he was pretty baller. But Lee Evans is a good guess. I'll look it up. Give me your second star. I'll look it up and see. I. Uh, Definitely DK. Um, he was the man on Saturday. Uh, he was catching everything. He looked like he wanted to make up for that Illinois game where he dropped a couple passes that, you know, and we trust him to make. And we're not expecting you to be perfect because, you know, we're not perfect either. Does it suck when when drop passes happen? Yeah, but we're not going to sit here like everybody else and be like, oh, he sucks. I hate him. Get him off the team. It's like, hey, he's human. He's a kid. He made some mistakes, and that's the best part about football is there's only one game a week, right? It's the best day and worst part, in my opinion. Because when you lose, it. who is it? I nailed it. Kimberly oh, DK is the first Badgers receiver to have 10-plus catches, 100-plus yards, and 3-plus touchdowns in a single game since Lee Evans went for 10 for 258-5 and five against Michigan State in 2003. <laughs> what a transition because we played Michigan State next, but wow. <laughs> Lee Evans was that man, dude. I remember he was a that. monster. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, DK had a great game. Great great redemption game, bounce back game, whatever you want to call it. Um, now you just stack it, man. That's the mindset. you got to stack a, stack a good performance on a good performance. Um, take it a quarter at a time. Uh, I'm going to go okay. I'm gonna go to my third star real quick, and I'm sure go you ahead. have the same one. Um, Maybe. La, is it Latu? It, you fucker. <laughs> I thought I was Dude, sneaky had, with that one. No, he had two ants. He was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, actually. Um, nice. He had, he had three total tackles and three solo tackles. So, he had a very, very good game. The quarterback for Northwestern, I know, I mean, on his second interception, I mean, he looked like a college quarterback because I know he was trying to lead his receiver, but you can't lead your receiver and throw it to the ground right to the Wisconsin guy. I mean, that's – it made it look like he was throwing to us, man. Yeah. <laughs> I I said when he made that interception, I'm like we should send that tape to Dobbs to Romeo Dobbs because that's exactly the the play that he um, dropped that touchdown in the end zone against the Patriots. That exactly you know that exact thing you catch the ball and you roll 
that's the exact thing that their Packers want Romeo Dobbs to do. So I'm like, mm-hmm. send that to Romeo. Like, that was what I said with that one. Um, He'll get there. I trust Romeo. I like his. He's I got agree. natural talent. Um, I was. I was, I meant it more as like a. I know. I know. An example. Um, but just just so fans understand, like, well, don't give up on Romeo yet. <laughs> I'm not I know there's up pe- on Christian Watson there's, it either, but uh, there's definitely people giving up on both of them. I could tell you that. Yeah, I've seen right. it. Yeah, and and saying that Rodgers is washed up and this and that. I know. We'll get it's we'll get to that on Friday. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it it is kind of funny. Um, I'm interested to know who your underrated performer is because I wrote down two just in case. He's he's normally not underrated, and he was a Heisman Heisman candidate, dark horse okay. guy. But Braylon Allen had a sneaky good game, man. But we're not going to talk about him because five touchdowns and three touchdowns and the, and Big Ten Defense Player of the Week. But Braylon Allen, twenty three carries, hundred thirty five yards, five point nine average. I mean, we all know Wisconsin still is a run game first. Just like the Packers should be, Matthew Lafleur. We'll get there on Friday. It's just pissing me off. Run game starts everything. Getting your offensive line to dominate starts everything, and he was great. He had a 33-yard run, and he also threw a touchdown that we talked about to Malusi. They were jacked up when he threw that man. That was that was actually a cool moment. I am on board with you. My dad is on board with you. There is thousands of millions of other Badger fans in the world that are on board with you. We're sick and tired of the goddamn wildcat, but you know it, it worked for this one play, and it was awesome highlight. I know so. it's like it's like the perfect like um, embodiment of the no 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 yeah yeah like, yep. It's like when the one guy shoots it, and you're just like, don't shoot it, and it goes, and you're like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> like like Dwight Howard shooting a three is how I feel about the Badgers running the wildcat. I don't know. I tr- I trust Brandon Allen to throw a touchdown more than Dwight to, sh- to hit a three. I'll be honest. I will be completely honest with you on that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I had two underrated performers just in case you would come up with one of them. One of them is uh, John Torchio. Mm-hmm. Um, he had three tackles, one and a half tackles for a loss, and then two yes. passes defensed. Um, the other one I had was Andy Vujnovich. Ooh. Badger's punter. So he only had three punts, but he had 139 punted yards and two punts inside the 20. That was, the other one was like a 72-yard punt that ended up bouncing into the end zone. Yeah, he, he was booming. So I wanted to throw him out there as well as a, a possible um, underrated performer just because both, both he didn't have like a super impactful um, impact on the game just because the Badgers barely had to punt. Um, but going to what the Badgers can improve, um, I already kind of touched on one of them, which was um, – Defending the screen, I still think that that's something the Badgers need work on, whether it's a wide receiver screen or a running back screen. Um, I do think as far as offensive line play, the Badgers were much better. I don't know if they're going to stick with that rotation or if they're going to stick with the players that did better in the rotation than others. But um, is there anything that stood out to you that the Badgers can improve on? This is going to be really nitpicky, but I still think penalties. Um, Mm, You can't have six penalties for 55 yards. Um, you're playing a lesser opponent in Northwestern, so you can get away yeah. with it. Also, a game where Graham Mertz was just on fire, so that kind of evens that out and makes it look like it's not there. But you know, if we keep winning games, we keep stacking games. Um, which you know, looking at our schedule, we definitely should. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the talent disparity, but we're gonna we're gonna face a, a Minnesota team that's still very good at the end of the season. 
we still have a chance for the West title. So if we get in that game, we go against an Ohio State, you can't have six penalties. You just can't. Right. Um, your margin for error against, you know, elite teams is very small. So zero, honestly. If, if yeah. you're playing if you're playing Ohio State or Michigan, it's it's zero. Yeah. I mean, the way Michigan runs the ball now, yeah. Michigan is very good at running the ball. So they uh-huh. they're like a super powered Wisconsin right now, where they can run the ball, they can throw the ball, and they play crazy defense. Um but yeah, you're playing any of those teams. You can't have six penalties for 55 yards. Don't give them free yardage. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I would clean up. But That's other one. than that, that was a good game. Very, very good game. Badgers needed that. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about the Northwestern game before we talk about Michigan State? No, but thank you for being on the schedule. <laughs> That's all, I all right. I mean, hey, as for for what it's worth, Northwestern has been a trap game for the Badgers in the past. So they have getting a big win at Northwestern is is still nice. Yes. Um, and it's good for Jim Leonard to get a um a win Dude. in his first game. Real quick, <sighs> I want to touch on this because I just thought of it. Um, yeah. I should have brought it up sooner, but uh, talking about how the Badgers can improve, I don't think this is, is the entire part of the offense, but I think the play calling was better. Um, Jim Leonard basically pulled Bobby Engram aside and was like, you do the offense. And basically let Bobby Engram do his thing with the offense. He's like, I trust Bobby. That was what he said when he was asked at halftime. He's like, I trust Bobby with the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Ingram was actually on the sidelines. He wasn't up in the yes. booth, but he has been for the first four ga- first five games of the season. So I wanted to bring that up, and I just thought of it now. So I think it's, it can go into one of the things with the Badgers improving. Is Bobby Ingram being down on field level, I think, yes. is something that will, needs to be brought up. And, you know, Jim Leonard potentially giving Bobby Ingram basically the keys to the car as far as the offense is concerned. Yes, that was a great point. I wanted to bring that up, too, when I was watching the game. I like how they were telling the story about what his son calls him, and he calls him OG. I was like, call him OG. I should call my dad OG because that's a sick nickname. Did you see that Jim Leonard stat that they shared during the game? I did not. Maybe I Paul, did. I, remember, but... I, I took a picture of it because I was like, that's nuts for a safety. Jim Leonard, October 25th, 2003 at Northwestern, 19 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, a sack, and an interception. Yes, bro. What? Yes, I'm serious. I was like, what? Why does the safety have 19 tackles? This man was a monster. Damn. <laughs> yes, bro. I'm Jesus. Like, what? This guy was everything. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I was like, oh, my God. Shocking that the Badgers have good safety play this year. Yeah, right? Which, actually, you know, as we as we get into this, um, I'll save it for the defense, but um, there's some guys practicing, which is encouraging. It is worth noting for the offense, as far as the offense is concerned, for all those hoping that Graham Mertz gets benched or whatever, uh, Chase Wolf has his walking boot off and is not walking on crutches anymore. So Chase Wolf yep. is getting closer to being able to return to the Badgers' offense. But um, let's talk about the Badgers' offense versus Michigan State's defense. What stands out to you and what's a matchup that you're watching? Wow. So listen to this, man. Michigan State on defense. So their first game, they gave up 13 to Western Michigan. Yep. They gave up zero to Akron. They gave up 39 to Washington, 34 to Minnesota, 27 to Maryland, and 49 to Ohio State. This is not the same Michigan State defense. Yeah. They are giving up 27 points per game. 
445 total yards, 292 pass yards, and 153.5 rush yards. That 445 is 104th in the country. That's horrible. <laughs> they are horrible. They pay, you know, people were complaining about uh, the contract that they gave to Chris, right? 20 million. They're like, oh my God. And we're only paying them 11. So thank you again, Paul Chris. We already yes. thanked you, but that is an awesome move. They paid, what the hell is his name? Can't think of his name. What's Michigan State's coach name? Whatever. Doesn't matter. They paid him $95 million. And let me oh, tell you yeah, this. That's going to bother me. If he if they fire him, just like Matt Rule of the Carolina 100%. Panthers, he's guaranteed all of that money. 100%. And I'll tell you what, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that if you ran him out of town, he would give you a deal. That's all I'm going to say. So be thankful that for Paul Chris. Um, <laughs> so in other words, MSU is booty. Yeah, Josh, they're they're bad. Like if if the in this was one of the games that we had circled to begin the season. You know, we're both ranked. I'm like, weren't they like, weren't they like, fifteenth or something like that? They were preseason. They were eleventh. Eleventh? Damn. 11th. Well, maybe they were fifteenth, but they got up to number eleven. I remember watching that uh, that Washington game, and they were ranked number eleven. And I believe Washington was unranked, but uh, yeah, they're just getting their tail kicked around everywhere. Um, Badgers on offense are averaging 409 yards, 235 passing, 173 rush, and 31.8 points per game. 48% on third down. Mel Tucker. Dude, that was bothering me too. I was like talking. I know. I had to look it up. I was like, it was bother me too. I was trying to like think in the back of my head while talking, which is impossible for me because I can barely walk and think. But, you know, um, <laughs> I think the Badgers are going to have a very good day on offense. Yeah, I you know I have some redeeming qualities for Michigan State's offense, but mm -hmm. I I really don't for their defense. Um, let's see, I was trying to pull it up. Michigan State opened at fifteen. I was right. Okay. Um, after their first win, then they moved up to fourteen. After their second win, before they played Washington, they were number eleven. So they started at 15, went to 14, then to 11. Um, so you mentioned the four straight losses, the 445 yards per game they're allowing. They're allowing 44.3 completion percentage on third down, which stands out because that's being close to 50% is not good. <laughs> Jesus. Shouldn't really need to be said. But yeah. Uh, so I want to bring up Kimmeray DK. Because mm, this is what I'm waiting for. Here we go. I got a whole bunch. I got. A whole I bunch. know you do. Kimray DK is sixth in the Big Ten in receiving yards. Okay. He's thirteenth in receptions. He is fourth in touchdowns. Oh wow! And owns the longest reception in the Big Ten this year at seventy-four yards. That one he didn't score on. Yeah. Oh my God. That's still the longest reception of the Big Ten this year. Oh, my God. I mean, being anywhere near those Ohio State receivers this year is impressive. So, I'll take that. I will yeah. take that. Um, The Badgers – so, this is actually interesting to me. The Badgers still average 164 rushing yards per game. Yeah. They had, what, 10 in one game? I think we had two versus Illinois. I thought it was just Braylon Allen that had two. I do not know. 
Maybe. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was Braylon Allen that I had, too. I had somebody talking shit to me about that this weekend. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Badgers lost the game. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, congratulations. I'm you just going to pull it up just to see what it was. I'd like to be accurate. Stats. I know it was it was Allen with two. It was two. It was two total. It was two total? Two yeah. total. Yeah. Um, Lucy had 16. Uh, Garendo had three. DK had three. Braylon Allen had two. Grammarth had negative 22 because he was sacked a bunch of times. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll do. Um, so still <laughs> averaging 164 rushing yards a game when they had mm-hmm. one game where they had two. Think about that. Um, so for me, as far as matchups go, I'm still watching Graham Mertz just because I really think his his ability is flashing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's when he gets into trouble and, and is trying to like overcompensate for making plays. I think that's where he gets into trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely how I feel about the Ohio State and Illinois games that he's threw some some bad interceptions. Um, we're just plays where he's trying to make plays out of a feeling of pressure. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about things to improve, I would say potentially one for Graham Mertz is is playing under pressure. Um, we've seen him play really, 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 really well against bad teams and then struggle against really good teams. So seeing Graham Mertz play under some pressure would be something I could see um, for a way for him to improve. But yeah. he's still the, he's still what I'm watching when the Badgers offense is on the field. Yeah, I actually didn't get my matchup. Forgot about that. Um, I got you. Mine's, mine's Allen. Uh, I'm still watching Braylon Allen. Uh, much like I said before, this Wisconsin offense still is predicated on the run. So getting that that run game going, getting the offensive line going, getting them going forward instead of going backwards every play, that is a very big key to this team, especially an offensive line that's got taken their lumps this season. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. So getting them as the attacker once in a while is something that is going to be key to this game now i i have a i have a stat on the the michigan state defense and this is this is crazy and this this goes with my my offensive matchup they have three corners and a safety who has more tackles than the d line that leads the d line with tackles so the highest d lineman is below three corners and a safety that tells me that teams are getting into the second and third level of that defense at a very high rate that's not good. <laughs> they don't have a great pass rush either. No. They don't have a lot of sacks. They don't have a lot of tackles for loss. So, Braylon Allen having a big game is key. Setting up that play action, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Play action is yes. the best. Um, yes. well, we'll, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the run game when I get into my X Factor. So, okay. I'm going to spoiler alert on that. Um, switching to the defensive team. side, um, I wanted to bring up one other player when I was talking about um, how the batters can improve something that's getting better for them. Hunter Wohler has returned to practice, which ah, is a really nice. big thing. Um, mm-hmm. So the Badgers potentially three deep at safety with really good safety play. That's, that's exciting. I really liked what I'm seeing from Kamoe Latu in the absence of Hunter Wohler. Um, I don't think any of us really had Kamoe Latu as a guy that we were really watching out for this year. No. So to see him play well, to see the Badgers have really sustained um, good safety play is actually really encouraging because that's, you know, talking about secondary depth, um, that's something the Badgers haven't really had, I don't know, really ever. Yeah. 
No, I never found out who the youngest was to a thousand yards because it's it's college stats. There's not as much niche college football stats as there is for the NFL, which is kind of a bummer. You can go anywhere and find NFL stats. Yeah, just like NBA, MLB, you can go millions of places. I couldn't even find yards after the catch for wide receivers in the current season, much less to find fastest to a thousand yards. We got we got to pick Mike's brain, bro, because he be finding shit. And I'm just like, what the hell did you find there, man? You want you want the, the dark web, Mike? <laughs> the only way I could think to find it would be to go to every college football player that's played and rushed for over a thousand yards and find out when they did it and how old they were when they did it. Yeah, Which, it's got to be Brandon. He was 17, right? If I if I had a weekend and nothing to do and and you want to babysit the girls, like. <laughs> I'll get out a I'll get out a notebook and I'll and I'll write them all down. But <laughs> Grandpa, <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be a tough stat to find. It's it's uh, <laughs> he said get on it. I'll I'll see what I can do because yeah, I would. That's the only way I can think to find it is to find all of the the rushers that did it. I mean, I have to I have to imagine that there's got to be ten Badgers in the top twenty of that list. Oh God, yeah. I'm gonna go in the group and I'm gonna tell Mike to find it. I swear to God, if he finds it, <laughs> find out who the youngest the youngest college running back to a thousand yards. All right, so switching to um, Wisconsin's defense versus Michigan State's offense, uh, I think it was Jim Leonard that said that they're expecting um, basically an FU version of Jalen Berger for Jalen Berger to return to Wisconsin uh, or to play against Wisconsin again. Um, mm-hmm. He's averaging. So this is interesting with Jalen Berger. He's averaging 4.8 yards per carry, which is pretty decent, mm-hmm. but he's only averaging 3.0 in Big Ten play. He's getting his ass whooped the last couple of games. So he's, he's basically padding his stats against um, lesser opponents. Akron and what was it, Central mm-hmm. Michigan they played in their first yeah. game? Yep. Um, Western Michigan. Western Michigan? Okay. Central. I was close. Central, Western. Do, you really need to, do we really need to separate Michigan like that? Like, is it really that big that we need Central Michigan, <laughs> Eastern Michigan, Western and Michigan? Upper Michigan, Michigan belongs to us, Michigan. you fuckers. <laughs> That's ours. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing I want to bring up. So I mentioned I didn't really have any redeeming qualities for Michigan State's defense. I do have one redeeming quality for Michigan State's offense, and that's that I don't want to underestimate Michigan State's quarterback, Peyton Thorne. So this season – He's got a 63.9 completion percentage, um, and he has nine touchdowns and seven interceptions. In 2021, he had 27 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So that tells me that Peyton Thorne is actually capable of being a solid quarterback, but the difference is from last year to this year, it could just be offensive line play, it could be play calling, it could just be a regression in his talent, and maybe last year was kind of an outlier. But the fact still remains that he did throw 27 touchdowns and only 10 interceptions last year. So to me, you just can't underestimate um, his ability. So don't go in thinking, you know, this guy's got nine touchdowns and seven interceptions. So he's going to throw a bunch of them. Um, Josh said nothing. I love more than learning geography from Jake. Yeah. I'll teach I have you. a feeling that would be a short lesson plan. No offense. <laughs> Wouldn't be much. <laughs> I don't pay attention to geography like that. I know, I know what, what happened to Peyton Thorne. Um, Kenneth Walker went to the NFL. That's what happened. That's that's fair. Um, so Michigan State's offense, they averaged 235 passing yards, which is number 69 in the country, which, you know, is nice, but it's also not. Um, <clears throat> and they averaged 107 rushing yards, which is 106th 
in the country. That's, that is not good or nice. That's there's what a, there's what 125 <laughs> schools. Yeah, ouch. And ouch. you're 106th in rushing yards. Man, you're they, you're looking like average, Nebraska right now. Chill out. <laughs> they average 342 total yards, which is number 93 in the country. Oh, that's 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 rough. almost as many million they gave their coach. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a little bit of salt in the wound. Nothing like it. That's awesome. <laughs> so this for me, the matchup that I'm watching in this game is I'm going to hammer again on the safeties. Uh, John Torchio and Kamoe Latu versus Peyton Thorne. Michigan State passes on 56% of their plays, which is interesting given that the fact that their quarterback has only thrown nine touchdowns and seven interceptions. Yeah. Wisconsin is number six. An opponent interception percentage, 5.33%. So essentially 5% of all passes are intercepted. So if, if Peyton Thorne throws 20 passes, you can pretty much guarantee he's going to throw at least one interception against Wisconsin. That's fine with me. He could throw two because that's what I predicted. Well, <laughs> um, all right. I, well, give me your, your Michigan State's offense against the Badgers defense and uh, the matchup you're watching. So you went over a lot of the stats. Um, they, they're, their third down percentage is 41%. So that's actually a pretty decent percentage. Um, but my matchup, you know, because you covered pretty much everything on the offense, their total yards, their pass yards. And they do have a seasoned quarterback. And I was looking at his stats, 6.9 average on passes, which, again, is nice, but not nice at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so 1,234 <laughs> yards in six games that is that's garbage that's garbage for for a guy that was supposed to lead a uh top 10 team in the country this this year yeah that's bad um he he's my my matchup i'm watching him versus our dbs um you you specifically said safeties which i, I love our, our safeties this year um i also want to see our corner step up i would love to sure. see one just jump around um, what the heck is his name? He got hurt last week. Dort? Is it Dort Jr.? Yeah. Yep. I think I don't know. Is he I don't know if he's gonna be okay if he's coming back or whatnot, but I it's, think he's our best it's corner. Tough. This is back into the college college football information thing that there's not yeah. a lot of it available because they don't have to disclose it. Yeah, I think I think he's our best corner, uh, in my opinion. He's the most physical, he's not afraid to get in there and mix it up a little bit. But I think if he if he's able to come back, uh I was really scared actually last week talking about that because you know he went down and I was like, okay. He landed like flat on his back. Yeah, I'm like, okay, okay. And he's not moving. I'm like, move, move your body. <laughs> I'm like, he's not moving. That's not good. That means he's really hurt. Mm-hmm. But hopefully he's okay. We'll have to try to like I can't believe how hard it is to find shit at college. I know it sucks. Oh it's I'll, so annoying. It. It's so annoying. But you know, anyways, if we if we, if our DBs can play good in this game, uh, we can get uh, Braylon Allen going a little bit. I could see this one turning into a blowout, to be honest with you. <clears throat> so the yeah. only other thing I really had as far as preview is concerned is, um, to Michigan State's credit, um, they don't get flagged much on either side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So Michigan State actually usually plays a pretty a pretty okay. clean game. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So this was. Three days ago, Cedric is doing much better. He hit his head on the turf really hard and is communicating and in good spirits. That was three days ago that Jim Leonard said that. Okay, that's good. Um, other than that, 
Nothing. That's pretty much it. Yeah. See, man, it's <laughs> I hate it kind of. I kind of hate it because I'm like, you know, I have to search for like 40 minutes to find these third down percentages and you have to scroll through 100 damn schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have to count and it's like. Yeah, you kind of just have – honestly, with, with college football information, you kind of just got to get lucky that some of the beat writers are asking the questions you want answered. Yeah. That's that's yep. really the only way you're going to find some of that yep. stuff um, is to hopefully get a reporter that asks the question. Yeah, Margo, um, a lot of this stuff that, that I write down, I'll talk for myself, is off my own eye test. Stuff that yeah. I see, stuff that I'm judging with the Badgers, stuff that I'm judging with Michigan State in this example. Like mm-hmm. – you know, um, I'm watching. I'm watching their highlights. I'm watching their games, and I'm like, they're not very good, right there, are they? <laughs> like D line, they're pretty piss poor at D line, in my opinion. Yeah, for me, like, obviously looking up the statistics and stuff. Twitter is a really good place for for interesting information, um, just because those guys have it all at their fingertips. Yeah. Um, you know, the stats that that we can't find are given to them, so so it's uh it's good when they relay those. Um, yes. The, the Lee Evans stat I got was from Valley Sports. So, you know, you know they have their own statisticians and stuff like that. We we don't. Peters. We have just we, us. We are the statisticians. <laughs> we are, yeah, we are our own statisticians. Um, so let's go into our X factors. For me, uh, my X factor is Isaac Garendo, and it's because Chesma Lucy is out indefinitely, which mm-hmm. does hurt the Badgers' offense. Um, he has been the Badgers' number two running back. Thankfully, Garendo, who got hurt two weeks ago, is okay and he's gonna play. Um, so Isaac Garendo for me stepping up as that number two running back, and actually the Badgers did use him at wide receiver a little bit, um, not a ton, but a little bit. So for me, Isaac Garendo, um, in the absence of Chesma Lucy, is my X factor. That's very good. Uh, you're talking about a guy that was used a little bit at wide receiver. I'm gonna talk about the number one wide receiver because again, he makes everything go in the passing game. So if you listen to my matchup, I want to get Braylon, Braylon Allen going because this offense still run first. But Mertz is going to need his guy, DK, to win his matchup, take the top off the defense, win those intermediate routes. DK's got to win. He's that guy. Dude, just send um, him on a crossing route every play. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got to win his matchup. Uh, you get After last week, if you cannot see how much he means to this offense, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, he, means he made everything. a really big jump on my, my 10 touchdown bold prediction last week. Yeah, <laughs> so he, he I appreciate did. him for that. <laughs> but you know, if DK can have another solid game, I'm not asking for three touchdowns. That would be absurd if he did that back. If he backwards. had ten for 185 and three again, that would be insane. That's definitely Badgers history. I can guarantee Lee Evans didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, ten but, for two eight, ten for two fifty eight and five is insane. But back to back ten for 185 and three would be. In- I got a. Fun- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Find that game. I gotta watch it, dude. Because it's just gonna be a, a ten minute, you know, highlight reel of Lee Evans catching touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're dropping back to pass this play. Oh, they scored. Oh yeah, it was Lee Evans again. Yeah, it was Lee yeah, Evans yeah. again for the fifth oh, time today. Yeah, that's Lee Evans. Yeah. 
Oh god. Who the hell is that? Tight that guy gets drafted. Was in we had a tight end number nine. God damn it. Travis Beckham. Yeah, dude. That was my boy. I thought he was gonna be a monster in the league. I was like, dude, he's gonna be a stud. Oh, the Giants. Yeah. Goddamn Giants. Ruining our players and then ruining our weekends. Fuckers. Yeah, right. Bunch <sighs> of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Screw them. And then they're like, shove your cheese up your ass. Okay. Okay. No, it's the wrong hole. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus. All right, buddy. What you got? What you got? Give me your give me your key to victory. Key to victory. I've talked about it a bunch. Uh, let's get this running game going. <clears throat> we need to establish the uh, the line of scrimmage. That is something that we have struggled to do. I've talked about it all year because it needed to be talked about. A couple times it was my what to improve. Sure. Uh, I talked about how to improve it. I talked about getting low, keeping your hands inside, but establishing that line of scrimmage. And, you know, now without Malusi, and it's like the A.J. Dillon thing that Brian brought up last week where – People don't appreciate those little two-yard runs, those three-yard runs, you know. And I understand why they don't. If they're if they're not like football fanatics, and we're Wisco fanatics, but we're also football fanatics. I didn't try to do that; it just happened. You got to appreciate the two-yard runs. It sets shit up. Malusi yep. was very good at taking a two-yard run and turning it into a, a five-yard run, and sometimes taking a two-yard run, and turning it into a seven-yard run, and those mm-hmm. things add up over the over the game. Well, I mean, even. Even the the impact of just falling forward instead of falling yeah. backwards on a yeah. run, that's a yard difference on itself. I agree. So establishing that line of scrimmage is definitely, definitely my number one key. Um, in addition to that, I think mixing up the offense like they did last week, um, I think they did a really good job of mixing up the runs, pass, play action, and varying them and not saying, you know, this series we're going to run, 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 run one pass and then we're going to run two more times and have 10 plays out of 11 were runs. And then the next possession have, you know, run pass, play action, run pass, 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 run, and then have 12 plays and 10 of them be passes. Um, You know, I think the, the balance, but not just having it balanced at the end and having this number and this number, and it be close to 50, 50, but to vary them within the drives to keep the defense on their heels, to not know what you're going to do next. Um, Mm -hmm. I think is important as far as that goes as well. For me, my key to victory for the Badgers is to get momentum early, um, take the wind out of the sails for Michigan State, whether it be starting on offense and establishing the running game and and presenting that balance, or if they start on defense and maybe forcing a turnover early and getting the wind out of the sails early and sending Michigan State home with their fifth loss in a row. Yikes. Yeah, I don't give a shit about oh. Michigan. Either do I. Fuck them. <laughs> all of their teams, all of them. I don't like any of them. I don't care. Those poor Lions fans, screw them. Pistons. I mean, honestly, like aside from Michigan's football team, which has gotten good in the last few years, like when have they had anything good in Michigan besides early two thousands when the Red Wings and the Pistons were good? Long time ago. I mean, the Tigers were pretty good back then, too, weren't they? Yeah, I guess the Tigers. But they're not good ago. now. Yeah, I bet they no. regret paying Javier Baez what they have. No, I don't. I don't, th- I don't think. I really don't think Michigan doesn't seem like a baseball state to me. Like they don't seem diehard about baseball. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they're. If I had a pick, I think they'd be bigger into basketball. I think that's their best sport. 
Like I think yeah, they Michigan and because, Michigan State you got the Fab Five and Tom Izzo. And then they had the bad boy Pistons. Like when I think right. about Michigan, I think of basketball. I think they're a basketball state. That's fair. They don't care about baseball. I'm good with that. All right. So two score predictions, one from the head, one from the heart. Give me your score prediction from the head first. All right. They're both ugly. I do not respect Michigan State this year. My prediction from the head, you wanted first, 42-21 Badgers. All right. I went 28-12 to for my prediction from the head. Oh, wow. Okay. My prediction from the heart, I always write down our score predictions, just so you know. So if you ever see me writing, it's because I'm writing. I, I put a little section for Tyler, and then I write the score. It, it gets very hard to do it on Fridays when I'm writing out three other scores. <laughs> but um, prediction from the heart is 45-17. 45? I went 34-17. So we both predicted 17 points for the Badgers. 34, for the 17. Michigan State against the Badgers. For our heart. Okay. okay. Um, I always like to see uh, who's closer. And when, when I look at our scores, I kind of average them out. And I'm like, okay. Tyler trusts our defense more than me. I trust our offense more than he does. Let's just meet in the middle and we just smack the hell out of everybody. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> All right, buddy. I mean, half the time we're pretty close on them anyways. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cody was the only one last week in the comments. He predicted that we were going to score 40, 45, I think he said. And we scored 42. So Cody was very close last week. Our, oh, our friend of the hey. show, Cody Zeese. If they made the field goal, it would have been 45. I know. I know. He would have been spot on. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have to watch the show and find out. Or listen, I guess. Yeah. All right. So, do you have anything else you want to say about the Badgers before we talk about the Brewers a little bit? No. Let's, uh, let's talk some Brewers. All right. So, in keeping with the, the form that we've done with the Brewers throughout the 2022 season... Um, at the end of the week, we have been asking, what can the Brewers improve? How can they improve it? Uh, we did this coming out of the All-Star break, and then we just kind of did it week by week um, until we got to the end of the season. And it's like, okay, now it's time to put up or shut up. Um, it comes down to execution. We know what needs to be improved. We know how to improve it. Can they do it and make it in the playoffs? Unfortunately, the execution wasn't there. The Brewers didn't make the playoffs. Um you know, so we did positive takeaways in our top five moments last week, and now we're going to do some things about what the Brewers can improve on for the 2023 season. Um, Jake and I each have five things. I think we're going to have. I think we're going to have some really interesting stuff in this segment, if I say so myself. I'm not as confident in my Brewers stuff as I am my Badger stuff. I'll be. I'll be honest on air, but I still think that all my stuff is valid. I'm excited to hear what you got. You got. You got a good baseball mind, man. I try. All right. So <laughs> my number five, I'm gonna I'm gonna go five to one just because I think that's that's, that's where my emphasis lies. Cause I think like my number one thing that I wrote down was the thing that stood out the most. And then as I went down, I had to think harder. So I'm gonna go from five to one. My number five thing was um injuries. So I asked myself and I kind of put the thought out there, did the shortened spring training and the lockout where players didn't have access to the medical staff potentially affect the brewers? Um you know, it's not every team struggled with injuries as bad as the Brewers. The Brewers got just absolutely hammered by injuries this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Corbin Burns, Christian Yelich, um, Rowdy Telez, Hobie Milner, Devin Williams. William like, Thomas. Those 
five guys are like the only ones that didn't spend time on the injured list. Oh, that's where you're going with it. I meant you met all the players on the injury list. I was like, bro, I was going through those. Last night. Those five are the only ones that didn't. Yeah, that's and nuts. and even Rowdy mentioning Rowdy Telez, he did have like an ankle injury that kept him out for like three games. They just mm-hmm. didn't put him on the injured list for it. Yeah. So, you know, Christian Yelich being healthy was one of my positive takeaways, actually, from last week because um, he played 152 games this year. But for me, you know, what the Brewers can improve on, um, getting back to the six-man rotation like they had in 2021, I really think that could help benefit the starting rotation is having the six-man rotation healthy. So next year, if that's Burns, Woodruff, um, Peralta, Lauer, Ashby, and Hauser, and having that six-man rotation – that seemed to work really, really well in 2021 to keep all the starters healthy. <clears throat> and then, you know, I asked the question of did the lockout and the shorter spring training potentially have an effect on the injuries? Um, that's something I'm going to keep an eye on in 2023. So seeing the impact of a full normal offseason has in 2023, um, that'll be something I keep an eye on. Um, Stearns did say that they want to keep or they will keep the core of the team intact. Yep. Um, to me, you can't say the core of the Brewers without Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, you just yep. can't. There's no core that exists on this current Brewers team that doesn't include both of them. That's where that's where it starts, in my opinion. I agree. You start like, with those two names. <laughs> it's probably those two, Yelich and Willie Adamas and Devin yep. Williams. If I had to pick five players that you would describe as the core of the Brewers team, those are probably the five. Yeah, man. Um, if we're going to talk about his comments – and he talked, he brought that core, he brought that core quote up. And then he talked about the trade, getting rid of Hater hurt the team more than he thought. He's paying those motherfuckers. I'm telling you right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's paying them both. And that to me, you know, I have more that I'm going to discuss with this, but mm-hmm. I've, I've mentioned that I think Tyrone Taylor and Hunter Renfro are both getting traded. I'm going to double, triple, and probably quadruple down on that by the end of this segment. <laughs> okay. Bet. So I, I'm seriously, I'm hammering so hard on the outfield for next year. <laughs> I know you are, buddy. I'm not fucking um, around. So my first one was also stay healthy. Um, when I was going through the injury report last year or for, for this year, 37 rows. Now each row only has one player and explains right. the injury. 37 rows. I mean, there's people on there that were on there multiple times, obviously. Yep. And it does. Uh, I didn't write down the extent of all the injuries. I was gonna go through and like write down like, oh, this guy I was did. out. I, I'll have an article coming out on Fansided about it soon because I wrote an article about it. It was over two thousand words. Okay, so look forward to that because I was not writing two thousand words in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Um, it was it. It's hard to bad. get consistency and get continuity, and you know, <coughs> there's all those c words in sports. Um continued growth, whatever. I was trying to think of a third. Um, but 37 rows of in of injuries. The Brewers just need to stay healthy. They have plenty of talent on this team. I agree. Um, Hi, Dad. For me, my number four was team batting average. So, you know, there's a lot to be made about batting averages and stuff like that. Yep. Um, this is part of the reason I'm assuming that's one of my children on my wife's phone saying, Hi, Dad. <laughs> What? What's your problem? What? Nothing, man. Nothing, man. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, I hope she doesn't call you dad. That'd be really awkward for her real dad. 
Oh gosh. Only if she's like referring to me to the kids, then she will. Then she'll call me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, Not in any I, weird. I get it. I get it. It was just the way you said it. It was funny. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so starting with the catcher position, um, mm-hmm. looking at Omar Narvaez, who's a free agent, I think he's likely going to be let go. Um, yep. He had a really off year. He only batted two hundred six last year. If they're keeping uh, Victor Caratini, who also had a rough year. Uh, I think that results in Mario Feliciano being brought up. He batted 274 in AAA last year. Um, with <laughs> Courtney said her actual dad is listening to. Oh, shit. I'm going to get punched. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I see her dad, if he remembers. <laughs> he's going to be like, he's at home right now. Like, that son of a bitch. I can't believe I said yes when he asked you if I could marry your daughter. <laughs> That was a long time ago, bud. That was. Um, actually, like 12 days. 12 days will be eight years. So, Congratulations. That's A lot of people don't make it eight years, man. Seriously. All right. Anyways, back back to the subject. Um, I'm going to – I told you, I'm going to like double, triple, quadruple down on trading Tyrone Taylor and Hunter Renfro. Tyrone Taylor batted 233 last year. Hunter Renfro batted 255. He's actually a career 240 hitter. So, you know, I, I know I mentioned this to you this morning, and you said Hunter Renfro is is our most valuable batter last year, um, which I think is arguable, but um, you know, it is what it is. In 69 games or 69 hits in 46 games for Sal Frelick last year, he batted 365 in AAA. Nice. Garrett Mitchell batted 311 in 28 games in the big leagues. Um, Joey Weimer, who is basically a, a Hunter Renfro clone, batted 287 in AAA last year. And Asteri Ruiz in 37 games in AAA last year for the for the Nashville Sounds, batted 329 and had 25 stolen bases. So as far as batting averages are concerned, bringing up some of those young guys could actually help this situation. Um, Colton Wong is another guy who could potentially be a free agent. He's got a $2 million buyout or a club option. Um, he batted 251 this year. Um, Bryce Terang, by comparison, batted 286 in AAA this year. Um, and in that situation, um, you could maybe bring up um, Pablo Reyes as a uh, utility player, use Luis Urias as a utility player, um, and bring back Mike Brasso, who I, which I think is a really good idea, especially if Chase Peterson gets added somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think bringing back Mike Brasso would be a really good idea as far as batting average is concerned. Um, and then, you know, looking at team batting average, the Brewers were 21st in major league baseball in 2022. So, um, improving the team's batting average would be, um, a big thing for me for the Brewers to improve for 2023. I would like to see a a bounce back year for Willie Adamas, especially as far as batting average is concerned. And then just keeping Christian Yelich in the leadoff spot, because that's, that's really where he did his best hitting this year. So those are my thoughts on team batting average. All right. My next one is going to sound very vague, but I will explain it. My next one is strikeout less. Hmm. So my next one is fewer strikeouts. So by all means, I am nicely. I also have a batting average up further on my list because it was, it was a bigger need to me than you, but yeah, either way, it's still, still in both of our top fives, but striking out less, the Brewers were 20th in total at bats in major league baseball with 5,417. 
and 1,464 of those were strikeouts. That's not the ratio you're looking for. By the way, they were 27th in baseball, so they had the third most, no, fourth most strikeouts. Shocking to me. I mean, when I was looking at this, you know, and I, I was trying to, to find a, a silver line. So walks, the Brewers were actually uh, ninth in our fourth or ninth in uh, walks, 577. So, I mean, they, they drew a lot of walks. I was saying, tells, were, all that tells me is that they're just watching a lot of pitches. Yeah, and they were third in home runs. So they were either hitting it really freaking far or they were going to grab some pine. So they need to have better plate selection. Um, I do think the two hitting coaches worked. I think that experiment went almost as good as you could have predicted it because they had a good um, uh, OP, OBP and a good slugging percentage. It's just the average was down. Sure. But like you said, you kind of had the, the formula to fix it. Get some new guys in here. See if you can mold them into what you're looking for. <laughs> Also, mm-hmm. a guy like Yelich in the leadoff spot was very, very good. Dude, look at the Brewers' drafts for the last three years. Yeah. just All they do is draft high average, high on base, high walk, low strikeout guys. So, my point I was going to make is we talk about balance all the time of football, right? In a baseball lineup, you can still have balance. Mm-hmm. You have your home run hitters. You have your... You're at Willie Adamas, who can hit for a better average. We really truthfully believe yeah. that he could he could be a five tool guy. You have your your Rowdy Telez kind of guys in your lineup. You get a couple guys with speed, like Ruiz. If that guy hits three twenty nine in the majors and he's stealing bases, we're gonna have a lot of RBIs next year. Right, that'd that, be like a Jonathan VR stolen base sixty stolen base season, like he had in what twenty fourteen. Yeah, that that guy <clears throat> is like speed squared. That's what that guy is. Speed squared. Like he's and we, fast. and we have and we have Garrett Mitchell on the same team who as I mentioned last week was in the 99th percentile for speed. Imagine if they're both on base. That pitcher's sweating. It's so wetting, bro. Oh my Dude, gosh. imagine imagine those two on base and Christian Yelich batting and he rips one down the line. Well, you're screwed. You're you're getting two runs right there easily. Whoever's easily. on first is scoring. Where uh, do you throw then, the ball? Like who do you try to get out? Yelich probably. <laughs> That's that's what I would try to do because if, if Ruiz is the guy on first base, because I think he might be a little faster than Mitchell. Mitchell's fast, but he might be a little faster than Mitchell. You're not throwing him out. I don't, you're not throwing him out. But, Mitchell's gonna score before you get to the ball. I know that's crazy. The Brewers have a lot of speed coming up, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That and my speed, the speed that I'm talking about, will fit in with my next point. But I'm gonna let you go real quick. All right. So. As far as the young guys are concerned, um, as far as fewer strikeouts go, Garrett Mitchell does need some work in this area. I think the mm-hmm. the learning curve going from the majors um, from AAA, I think, is something that might have, you know, affected him, um, which, you know, I would expect, especially when you come in late August and you're mm-hmm. like, all right, we're trying to win a pennant here. So, you know, strap in. We're trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. But looking at strikeouts, it was pretty rough. Um Christian Yelich struck out 162 times in 154 games. Willie Adamas, oh, Willie Adamas struck out 166 times in 139 games. Ugh. Hunter Renfro struck out 121 times in 125 games. Andrew Damn. McCutcheon struck out 124 times in 134 games. And Keston Hira struck out 111 times in 80 games. Oh my God! 
Oh, oh my god. Yeah, that's that's weird. that is a horrible, horrible ratio. So if we're looking at guys to potentially call up and replace some of these guys, um, I'm looking at Mario Feliciano, Pablo Reyes, Bryce Terang, Asteri Ruiz, Joey Weimer, uh, and Sal Frelick. So Pablo Reyes in 99 games, 67 strikeouts. Not bad. Um, Mario Feliciano, 77 games, 52 strikeouts. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Bryce Terang, 108 or 131 games, 118 strikeouts. It's a little high. His average was a little bit lower, um, but he still had a pretty good year in AAA. Joey Weimer in 43 games, 34 strikeouts. That's not bad. That's a little bit lower of a percentage if we're talking about the comparisons that I'm going to keep making between Weimer and Hunter Renfro. That's a little bit lower of a strikeout percentage. Um, and then we get to my man, Sal Frelick. I, doing my research for this segment, I really fell in love with Sal Frelick. Um, 46 games in AAA, only 16 strikeouts. Oh, wow. Bad on ball. I like dude, it. dude, that's like one strikeout every three games. That's a good ratio. When we got dudes striking out once a game, <laughs> at least. Bro, you know what I was going to say about Hira is – what was the number? 111? 111 in 80. 100, of those 111 strikeouts, I could almost guarantee you that 100 of them were high fastballs. That dude does not lay off the high fastball. Neither does Tyrone Taylor, to be honest with you. Yeah. But the thing about Hira is he he likes the ball low. He hits best when the ball's low in the zone. So it's like, why the hell are you even swinging at it up there if you don't like it up there? I don't understand baseball. But anyways. I just wanted to get that point out there. I would, um, lo- was... I would love to know the next-gen stats on that. How many of his strikeouts were on high fastballs? That would be something that I would like to know. I, I don't want to see that chart. I just don't. I do. I want to see it. I mean, we already know the stat is disgusting, so we might as well yeah, just – Yeah, 111 right strikeouts in 80 games is a lot. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's gross. But Sal Frelick, to play 46 games and only have 16 strikeouts, that's insane. Yeah, that's that's a good ratio. Yeah. So give me your give me your next area the Brewers can improve. <sighs> this one is uh I mean these are all pretty self-explanatory in my opinion. But sure. um be aggressive in free agency. Um mm. I would like to see the Brewers actually go in you know, we we had this conversation so much with the Packers, right? Because the Packers were draft and develop, draft and develop. And I understand that mindset, it works. Obviously, we know it works. Um, the Badgers are very big on developing players. Um, we always have three, four-year starters. Um, same with the basketball program. Mm-hmm. The Brewers, I want one team. You know, and the, the Bucks kind of adopted it. You know, they were they went – they go hard at the trade deadline. I mean, going to get oh, yeah. P.J. Tucker a couple of years ago, um, uh, just making big-time moves you know, in the season, in the offseason. I mean, going to get a Bobby Portis. I mean, stuff like that really sets you up for the next – couple years so i would I like mean, to see them trading trading sam merrill and two second rounders for grace and allen is still a super underrated move oh it is oh i have a story after this but be aggressive in free agency and i coupled it because i didn't want to make it its own thing pay woody and burns i mean we talked about it already that should be that shouldn't even be in the question that, that should, should be like literally the first even... and second things on david stern's to-do list 
I was going to say, it shouldn't even be on the board. It should be like, I'm doing that, so I need to write that down. Like, just do it. Like, don't even question it. Call them up. That's the first thing that happens. Let's lock these guys down, and then let's go make our moves after that. Chess moves, baby. That's what I'm yep. saying. <clears throat> All right, so my, my number two is a more consistent bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean – Jake Cousins and Luis Perdomo showed flashes. Um, I think health is a big deal when it comes to the bullpen, um, yeah. especially when I bring up those two. Those two both said uh, spent a lot of time on the injured list. Um, mm-hmm. Even before Hader was traded, the roles in the bullpen were a little bit inconsistent because Hader um, dealt with the family emergency issues, and then he was on the paternity list. Yeah. Brent Suter had a baby last year, so he was on the paternity list for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. Justin Topa and his wife are expecting a baby now too. So he might spend some time on the paternity list next year. So yeah. congratulations to Justin Topa, but <laughs> looking at defined roles is what I'm looking for from the Brewers bullpen next year, going into next year, going into 2023, Devin Williams is your closer. Yes. I, I, I get why Craig council tried to use guys in different situations because you're playing the matchups, but going into 2023, you spend spring training and you say, Devin Williams, you are the ninth inning guy. If there's two outs in the eighth and there's a, a, a matchup that favors a right-handed pitcher and you say, hey, Devin, you want to go for a four-out save today? Sure. But in a save situation, unless Devin Williams has pitched the two days before, Devin Williams is the ninth-inning guy. Period. I think having roles will be better for the mental part of the game. All right. I think it's as far as the preparation thing is concerned. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> Going from the ninth inning to the eighth inning, I think you pick up Brad Boxberger's club option and you say Brad Boxberger is the eighth inning guy, you know, depending on matchups. Um, from there, um, Brad Boxberger, he actually had a 295 ERA in 2022. Mm-hmm. So he actually pitched pretty well for, you know, all the, the shit. That I think he was all right. To. He was one of our better um, ones. I think you also bring back Trevor Gott. He only made $725,000 last year, and he was actually a pretty solid pitcher. He had a 1.03 whip. Only Corbin Burns and Devin Williams had a lower whip than Trevor got, despite him having not a great ERA. All right. I'm that with tells that. you that he might just be a little bit unlucky. Yeah, I agree. Um, Hobie Milner pitched pretty well last season. His ERA kind of ballooned on him towards the end of the year. Hobie Milner was a really good find Love for the Brewers last year. year. Yeah, um, he was awesome. Peter Strzelecki, I think he starts the Brewers, uh, starts 2023 in the Brewers bullpen. Um, he actually had a 283 ERA and a 123 whip in 35 innings for the Brewers in 2022. So I think bringing back Peter Strzelecki into the bullpen is, is a good move. Um, and then um, Matt Bush. So he's actually under contract for 2023. Um, I think like Trevor got his ERA, you know, his, he's a better pitcher than his ERA suggests. Um, Matt Bush has, honestly, he's got some electric stuff. He's got a really good fastball and a nasty curveball. Um, Matt Bush had a 1.04 whip. His his fastball is real. That fucker is real, bro. (laughs) Like, he's one of the fastballs. When you put that on the bottom outside corner. Yeah, that's one of the fastballs I'm like, yeah, I don't want to stand in the box for that. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) So, you know, like I said, with him... His, he's a better pitcher than his ERA suggests, and his and I his agree. whip shows that. Uh, both of them had an ERA over four, but a whip that was under 105. Yeah. Which is nuts. Um, what's up, Tim? Um, 
<clears throat> so, you know, I think those two being back, I think the fact that their ERA was high is something that gets you back. Trevor got on a bargain. I mean, he only, he made, like I said, he made 725K last year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's veteran that's minimum good. stuff. I mean, you can easily bring him back for that. You pick up Boxberger's option, um, keep Strzelecki, Milner, and then you have Devin Williams and say you are the ninth inning guy. Um, Jake Cousins and Luis Perdomo can both, you know, give you innings. Um, Luis Perdomo, you know, he's he showed some pretty good flashes in long relief. Um, I know there was one specific game where I think it was Hauser came out after like two and two thirds. And I'm like, all right, Perdomo, let's get the last of this third inning. And then let's pitch a clean fourth, fifth, sixth. And he did exactly that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there was one where he, um, it was the Rockies game. The one where he gave up the the four runs that allowed the Rockies to tie the game when they were up five to one. Mm-hmm. And he gave up those four runs. The day before that, he had pitched three scoreless innings. So Perdomo has shown himself to be capable outside of some isolated incidents. I agree. <clears throat> All right. Give me your number two. All right. This is where I bring up batting average. So <clears throat> like you said, they're 21st at 235. Um, their on-base percentage was 14th at 0.316. That's huh. not bad. You, you can li- you can live with that. You can right. live with that with, with the Brewers pitching. With the home runs? Yes, you yes. can live with that. You can live with that. Um, and the slugging percentage, they were 10th. Obviously, you just talked about the home runs. We had a lot of doubles this year. Yeah. Uh, 0.409. So basically 40% slugging percentage. <clears throat> That's pretty damn good. If they could just raise the average, say we get into the two into the 250s. I didn't want I was gonna say 250, but I don't want to go crazy because I don't want to go nuts. But if they league average to, was like 242 this year. If they so even if you get at 250. Yeah, at 250, 245, 250. This team is monster and with a 250 team average. Yep. With that pitching that they have, bringing back Woody and Burns, making them feel good, uh, which would be great for morale, by the way. Paying sure. those guys, that would yep. definitely show like, okay, they're going all in. Like yep. they're gonna take care of us too. So just raising that average just 10 points. That I mean, and that is a lot. Yes, I understand over the course of a season that's a lot of at bats to raise at 10 points, but right. this team is more than capable. We have more than enough talent to make the playoffs and be a 245 team average. Right. And, and I really believe if they can get to 250, they'll be World Series contenders. Yeah, and I think with that, <clears throat> as far as averaging average is concerned, um, I think Willie Adamas and Luis Urias are both bounce back candidates for next year. That batted really low. Um, I also think with 2023, when the shift is banned, that yeah. Christian Yelich and Rowdy Telez are going to benefit from that. What's up, Taylor? Um, I think those two are really going to benefit from the the shift being banned. I It felt like there was 100 times where Christian Yelich hits like 110 miles an hour off the bat and grounds out to short right field. Bro. <laughs> And then, and then he hits him right up the middle, like over the pitcher's mound, and there's the freaking shortstop or third baseman standing there. It's like, God damn, man. If you would just be in your normal they spot. They can still do that. They just can't put the – they can't put an infielder in short outfield. Yeah, that'll be nice. That'll be nice. And definitely, like you said with uh, <laughs> Telez, I think he might be the one that'll uh, be the one that'll improve the most. Cody, thank God you weren't here 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cody, so this is going to – this is going to tie in perfectly. Like I said, um, I've I've said this probably three times already, and I'm going to say it again. Um, my number one thing for the Brewers is hitting with scoring position, with runners. God damn it. 
Me too. I mean, it wasn't a secret that we knew this was going to be the thing that Brewers yeah. could improve on the most was hitting with runners in scoring position. Yep. Um, the Brewers were 20th in majors, 245 as a team. The Dodgers were number one at 272. That's 27 points higher. That's not okay. That's a lot of that's a lot of points. That's, yeah. Um. So looking at the Brewers, um, Willie Adamas was the Brewers' best with runners in scoring position at 301. He was the only guy above the the Dodgers average yep. as a team. Yep. Um, Andrew McCutcheon was next, and Rowdy Telez tied at 264 with runners in scoring position. It's not enough. Christian Yelich was next, 241. Mm. Hunter Renfro, 236. Um, and then looking at the guys potentially for free agents, Colton Wong was 202 with runners in scoring position. It's starting Omar to hurt Hibaya, now. 230, 237. It's starting to hurt. <laughs> this is starting to hurt. Tyrone oh. Taylor was actually 311 with runners in scoring position. But uh, in a smaller sample size. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not a. I mean, I like his his talent, but I'm just not a Tyrone guy. I'm, I'm and with with the guys coming up, I'm I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Um, I think he batted like what two eleven this year or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then looking at Lou, <laughs> looking at yeah, I got one more. Sorry, I got sorry, I got one more, and then I'm gonna give you good stuff. Um, Luis Urias in 2022, his batting average with runners in scoring position. 168. Oh. That was my high school locker number. (laughs) But Luis Urias with batting uh, batting averages on his scoring position in 2021 was 272. So I think there's a a big opportunity for a bounce back year for Luis Urias because he's shown himself capable. I like Luis. he He did have a bad 2022, but I think he's capable of having a good 2023. Now, here we go. Guys in the minors, batting average with runners in scoring position. Mario Feliciano, 301. Mm. Pablo Reyes, 297. Bryce mm. Terang, 283. Esteri Ruiz, 286. Joey Weimer, 288, which is actually higher than his batting average with running, uh, runners in scoring position in A. So he actually went up a level and then started playing better. And a boy. Here we go. My man, Self Relic, who needs to be on the opening day roster in 2023. 357 with running yep. scoring position in AAA. Put him up there just for that he stat alone. He needs to be on the opening day roster. I don't give a shit what you have to do. He needs to be on the opening day roster. Yeah. And here's my thing, and I'm going to say this right now. I don't give a shit what you do in free agency, but I'm going to I'm going to hammer on it again. Trade Hunter Renfro and trade Tyrone Taylor and get every single one of these guys in Milwaukee next year. Sal Frelick, Esteri Ruiz, Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang, Mario Feliciano, and Pablo Reyes. Get all of them in Milwaukee. Empty the farm all at one time. Don't do this. We're going to bring one guy at a time bullshit and say you're trying to keep the window open longer. Get all of them up at one time and see if all of them pan out that you can be the Houston Astros for the next four years and have 110 win teams for the next four years if all of these guys pan out at the same time. Find out. 
ASAP. There's don't, only one way to find out, right? Don't do one at a time. All of them. Seriously, yeah. I am dead serious about this. All seven of those guys. Yeah. All of them. I agree. And I'm on board with you. I'm getting a little bit of throwback feel when we were back in the day. We talked about it all the time, you know, the Ricky Weeks, the JJ Hardy, the Corey Hart. Prince Fielder, Ryan Braun. Prince Fielder, yeah. I mean, Braun was kind of a little bit after those uh, the, that first group. Right. But it all worked out because he he was kind of in that group as well. But, yeah, I'm getting a little bit of throwback feel with this this new farm that we have. But, yeah, man, let's let's – I think this team needs it, you know? I agree. And they, they have guys coming up behind them. Yeah. Um, in double A, like some of the really good guys that they drafted this year. Um, we know that Jackson Churio is rocketing up the organization. He's probably going to be in triple A next year already. He's um, good. He's only 18. <laughs> I know he's good. <laughs> Dude, when you when you're consistently named with like Mike Trout and Giancarlo Stanton and Ozzy Albies, and you're constantly put in that category of players who were at their age doing what he's doing, like, yeah, he's good pretty good sign <laughs> so when it comes to what the brewers plan for 2023 is sign burns sign woodruff extend adamas bring up all of these guys cut money where you can which is hunter renfro letting colton long go letting omar narvaez go and bringing up all of these guys to refill the team and then seeing what you can do in free agency after that i think you can get a pretty good haul for a hunter renfro even though he'll only have one year in his contract you're a team that is like needs a power bat and a guy that can play outfield, you know, and a, a very good outfielder, I think you can get a good haul for him. Um, I might yeah. be able to get a couple pitching prospects. Don't know. Um, not that the Brewers need any more pitching prospects. They got Dude, enough of those down there, too. Mizorowski is going to be a boss. <laughs> yeah. He was throwing like 101 the other day. <laughs> Jesus. Um, for me, my number one was also hitting a runners in scoring position. And the thing that I, I wrote down um, that Tyler, I don't think, touched on – was the the average runners left on base, which mm. last year was 6.8, which was 18th in the MLB. In 2021, it was also 6.8. So it's a reoccurring theme, something that needs to change. Um, obviously, <laughs> our current roster that we have isn't working, so why not bring up some young new blood? And you're talking about Sal Frelick. God, that just makes me – Dude, drool. he needs to be on the opening day <laughs> roster. Taylor, I, I like Hunter too. Hunter's my guy. Um, I established that early in the season, but you know, it's a business at the end of the day. And he made yes, ten million this year and hit almost thirty home runs in well, like one hundred and twenty-five games. He's a good player, but you know, if we can bring a young guy up and have you know club control of him for the next five six years, and we can get that same production at a lot less money, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, That's he made ten million business. last year, and he's gonna get a raise. Um, so, you know, um, I mean, Taylor probably has been a thing for forever, but I'm just going off the last two years. You know, kind of trying to stay a little bit more recent, like this last season, the year before, mm-hmm. um, when you know Burns really became like a star. I mean, obviously Woody's been good for a while. Peralta's been a pretty decent guy. His name's been going up for a while, but yep. you know, we have two horses you know what they call them. we have two aces so it's yep. it's time now i mean you don't always get two aces like this i mean burns and woody they, they're special and it's they're... hard for the mets to even do it and one of them is already in their organization and yeah. they have twice as much money to spend i agreed um the the you gotta win with, with pitching like that so the brewers 
Stearns has a busy offseason to figure some shit out. Yeah. And when it comes to Hunter Renfro, you know, I mentioned his batting average and his strikeouts. I mean, he batted 255 and he's a career 240 hitter. Yeah. So, I mean, there is an argument to be made that he overachieved a little bit. So, if you're a small market team like Milwaukee, there's you need to capitalize on that, honestly. Yeah. Um, especially for a guy who's going to be a free agent after 2023. Yep. Um, and if you're looking for a small market team, like I said, to be potentially cutting salary, to have more money to pay other guys, which is what I think the Josh Hader move was, mm-hmm. was an attempt to cut salary. Because a small market team, you cannot be paying a reliever $15 million. You no. just can't. No. Unless it's the last move you make when you're doing free agency and the rest of your team is already set. But when you have guys that you need to pay that are franchise cornerstone players and you're talking about like top 10 players in the franchise history, which I think Corbin Burns is probably already top five, but Brandon Woodruff is arguably a top 10 player in Brewers franchise history already. Um, Do you, you got to pay those guys first. Um, And, you know, I brought it up when they made the Josh Hader trade that when it comes down to it, Josh Hader is going to pitch 80, 90 innings, and Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are going to be around 200. So you, you pay the starters first. I mean, Burns, the last two years, Cy Young, and then he led the NL in strikeouts. I don't know about you, but I'm paying that guy. <laughs> yeah. Pay him and, twice. And Woodruff, Woodruff finished fifth in Cy Young, and then, I mean, he had a crazy, crazy second half of the season after the All-Star break. So, again, you pay that guy. Because those guys are literally guys that are going to pitch every five, maybe six days on this team. And those are games that you're like, okay, what he's on the mound, Brewers have a probably 80% chance to win. Because I was just going to say, like, if those two guys give you, say, 32 starts each, that's 64 games. Out of those 64 games, I think you pretty much put those two in, 64 games, and you say with those two on the mound, you probably win about 45 of those games. Oh, yeah. I agree. Two guys. I agree with that. Oh, God. Cody, don't do nothing crazy, man. We, we we still have to get through the Friday show with Bryant. Yeah. That guy is just – I love Bryant, but I feel like he, he'd be a bad friend to hang out with. I would get in trouble with him, man. <laughs> when he was here in Wisconsin, too, he was by himself. His wife wasn't with him, so he had a opportunity to let loose a little bit more, too. Oh, no. I wish, man, I'm so sad looking at those pictures. I'm like, of course, I planned a freaking family weekend. That one weekend, like, how did that work out, man? Like, oh, well, it is what it is. Next time. All right, but I will die on this hill. I will go down with this ship. Seven, all seven of those guys need to be on the Brewers opening day roster next year. I'm on board. Let's start the hype train. Let's start the hype train, baby. Yeah, that'll be a big hype train. We're going to need a need a big train and a big caboose for that one. I can't post a picture. It was Chicago. Chicago oh, <laughs> bro. I, people, everybody, it was, you know, did you see the Browns jerseys they're wearing tomorrow? The orange ones? Yeah. With the orange helmet? Oh, they're doing like the, they're like creamsicles. Yeah. The, pa- the Packers are Packers done, are right? not done. Bernard, don't start this. I don't. I don't want to be an evil guy on my own podcast. Don't start this, Bernard. <laughs> I had a good day. 
Let's do it. Choo choo. Hey, start a hashtag. That's not a. It's not a, a hashtag. What is it? What's the hashtag gonna be? Like hashtag David Stearns. All of these guys need to be on the 2023 opening day roster. Mario Feliciano, Pablo Reyes, Bryce Durant. The Durank, longest hashtag of all time. Joey Weimer, Asterio Ruiz. No, I got it. I got it. Empty you think that would fit in 140 characters? Empty the farm. Empty the farm? Hashtag empty the farm? Yeah. I'm in. Eh? That's good. Eh? Eh? Uh, I was just down. off the top of the head. Hashtag empty the farm. Everybody just, just saw my thinking face, and they're probably laughing at me. But... Hey, at least say. it worked out. It's not like you were like, duh. Uh, <laughs> true, uh, true. Um, hashtag Brewers. Empty barrel. Oh, that's not a bad one. It's not a bad one because we have a we have a, a barrel logo. Um, it's not bad. Empty the keg. Rogers is done. Oh, God, Bernard. If we stay alive and Bernard keeps commenting, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm still thinking of more hashtags. Um, I'm trying to think of something that's related to the Nashville sounds. Hmm. Bernard. Hashtag call up the sounds. Taylor, do you think the Packers are done? Taylor Just watches our show. Of course he doesn't. And, well, I mean, it helps to have a brain, but see Bernard first shot. Sorry. Had to do it. Had to do it. It was too easy. It's, it's week six. Nobody's done. Honestly. <laughs> Except for the Seriously. Bears. Bears are done. Yeah. I mean, the Lions are pretty the Lions, toast. Yeah, the Lions are done, too. All right. They're pretty toast. So there's and two teams that are done. And the as Texans. Soon as, they the don't win, if they, as soon as they don't win five games, I'm really going to enjoy watching Bryant and Simon take those pies to the dome, dude. Because I called it. I, dude, when I was looking at their team, I was just like, bro, they got no defense. They literally drafted defense because their defense is so bad. Yeah, it's bad. I Bernard, I know for... you love your team, and I've dealt with <sighs> – okay, I'm going to do this in the most respectful way possible. There's a lot of fans out there that are upset and passionate about the Packers, and I understand that you're mad about how they lost. That's a really, really shitty way to lose a game, you know, just mismanaging it. Yeah. Um, we are going to dive deep into that game. As hard as it is after a loss, that is our job now. As, as yeah. you know, content creators, we are to give you guys what we see – and you can agree or not. I understand your frustration. Rodgers is not done. This team is not done. This team has so much untapped potential. We don't yep. even know what Romeo Dubs could be. We don't even know what a Christian Watson in full swing could be. Hell, we don't even know what an Alan Lazard in full swing at number one wide receiver could be. There's still untapped potential in that area. We could bring in a guy like an OBJ, which we're projected to do, which is a whole different venue. We can make a trade for a Brandon Cooks. There's so much stuff. Yeah, there's so many variables into this that we could go to. The team is not done. It's a shitty way to lose. But, you know, you look at the ways to improve and you work off of that. But Roger saying Rodgers is done, come on. that's I wouldn't bet against Rodgers. I really wouldn't. That's so 2018, man. (laughs) Um. I don't know. Is is hashtag empty the farm the best we got? Should we do hashtag call up the sounds? Hashtag empty. I, f- I want to do something with the sounds because that's where all those guys were. They were all in AAA with the sounds. Um. Hashtag. Bring the sounds. Um, Nashville to Milwaukee. No, do maybe. Maybe. 
See, I want to do something like I feel like if you do Nashville to Milwaukee, you're just gonna get ads for like Southwest Airlines. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, I want to visit Nashville once. It sounds like a cool city. I want to take if, Courtney to a Predators game there. I wish James was in the comments so he could tell me how it is. I've always heard that it's cool. Uh, my girlfriend's a really big country music fan, so she would like to visit there too. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, we all do. Shit all, we don't everybody do makes shit. mistakes. <laughs> we all do things that we don't want to do for the ones we love. So it is uh. what it is, man. <laughs> and I hope she heard that. <laughs> I mean, she did, de- dude. She literally deals with me watching football for like forty-eight straight hours. Like Saturday, yeah, happen. Saturday morning, I coach my stepson. We come home, football's on all day. All day on Saturday, I'm just switching games, switching games, switching games. Sunday, she knows. I'm at church, baby. Sunday is church day. It's NFL Sunday. It's fantasy football Sunday. Do not talk to me or ask me to leave this house, but it's (laughs) probably not happening. (laughs) But, you know, other than that, country music, that's the only thing that I got on her, really. (laughs) Hashtags. I don't know... I don't know if I can think of one on the spot. This is a lot of pressure. People are watching me. <laughs> Taylor Taylor said empty the barrel or empty barrel. He said empty barrel. Um, See, but that's brewers related. You're that that to me seems like it like do a rebuild. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to call up everybody. I don't know. I'll think of something that's that's got the word sounds in it. Sound. Okay. Sounds. Okay. Okay. Because that's Nashville. I'm getting, oh, I'm getting vibes right now. I'm getting vibes right now. Sounds, oh, I want to do something with like, like brew, like brewers, like brewmasters, something brew, like beer related. Going from sounds to beer related would be like, I think that's a beautiful transition if we could figure that one out. Ah, that's tough. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if hashtag sounds to brewers would be. No, no, I mean, no. I'll, I'll think. Bad, but I'll think of something. I will. I'll, this is my mission now tonight. I will think of something. Jake has a homework assignment. <laughs> As does everybody watching. Everybody watching or listening. If you think of anything that would be good for a hashtag for Bernard players from Nashville to Milwaukee, Bernard, if you don't come up with this hashtag, and you're grounded. Hashtag. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him the Magnificent Seven, even though that's taken. Well, that's pretty good, actually. Magnificent Seven. What the hell is that? It's a movie with Chris Pratt. Oh, like See, a you're... <laughs> every time, bro. I talk about you more than you know, but I talk <laughs> movies. There's this guy I work with. His name is Jim, and he's an older dude. But he he talks all the time. Like every day when I'm working with him, I'm like, "All right, Jim, what movie did you watch last night?" Dude watches a movie every night. He goes to the library, you know, where he lives, and he just grabs a random movie. And I'm like, "All right, Jim, tell me about your movie." This guy could talk, by the way. And he just starts telling me about the, all these movies. And I'm just like, he's like thinking of actors and stuff. I was like, man, I could probably ask Tyler and he would know. <laughs> like every day I talk about a movie with Jim, I'm just like, I know I know Tyler would know this actor. <laughs> like you, you're just, I call you the encyclopedia. You just know everything. <laughs> I think Bernard has uh, Tim, back. Bernard is commenting on YouTube. So that's why you can't see that. So uh-huh. um, for those of you watching on Facebook, um, if you check us out on YouTube, you can put us on your TV. So you can watch us on TV and you can see us up big, which is, you know, 
potentially good or bad for you. I mean, which is, is like is. how my head is in real life. Big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have like a 60 inch TV and you put Jake on YouTube, then you would get Jake's real, real size. You would get my real head. <laughs> I'm not, I am not, not scared to pick on myself. It's okay. Well, I mean, you and I are both like gigantic human beings. Like if we were going to try to stand to do this show, like Pat McAfee does, like you'd just see my midsection. Bro, I guarantee, Tim, you got to answer this. I guarantee you freaked out when you saw how big Tyler was. You were like, there's no way. Like, Chantel still, and she's met you how many times, seen you how many times. Why would you want to Exactly. That's why I said it could be good or bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She still to this day is just like, I can't believe Tyler's taller than you when I looked at him. I'm like, dude, Tyler's a big guy, man. Like, he's a tall guy. He's tall, tall, lanky dude. Like, People don't understand this. I grew up with them. So, like, for me, it's normal. <laughs> right? Well, like, it happened the other day. Like, Courtney and I were in the grocery store, and there's, like, a tall guy at the end of the aisle. And she's like, do you think that guy's taller than you? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. I'm like, it's hard for me to judge because I don't ever see anybody that's as tall as me. It's weird feeling. It so, like, I can see a guy feeling. who I think is taller than me. And, like, if somebody were to ask him, it'd be like, how tall are you? It'd be like, six four. It's like, I'm two inches taller than that guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's... It's a weird feeling. Like, I've only had it a few times where I've been like, oh, that guy is gigantic, and I do not want to guard him one-on-one. <laughs> Tim brought up the Donald Driver picture. Yeah, there was a picture of me and Donald Driver, and I'm like a foot taller than him. Maybe not a foot. Maybe like nine inches taller than Donald Driver. Driver was a was a small guy, but yeah. the Packers could use a Donald Driver. That's kind of how they're using uh, Randall Cobb, to be honest with you. Right. But. They could still use a Donald Driver just for the leadership aspect of it. I sure. think Donald Driver's leadership was amazing. All right, I have a All couple right, hashtags written down. I'm gonna get it, Tim. I need I need a couple hashtags by uh, 0100 tonight. So you <laughs> know. All right, um, we need hashtags to get the Nashville silence of the Brewers. That's what we need. Yeah, that's everybody's homework assignment. But yeah, uh, we will see you guys on Friday night for the Packer episode, man. Got some good shit. All right, Friday night. (laughs) He flips me up. (laughs) Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.